Good evening, church. It is great to see all of you here tonight, both members and visitors uh, here present, those who are online. We're thankful and honored for your presence and pray that uh, especially our visitors will feel as our honored guest. We thank God for you. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We praise you. We think about the greatness of your name. To say the name Jesus. To say the name God. To say the name the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we're thankful for the power that comes with your name. And the greatness that comes with your name. There are so many, Lord God, who are fleeing from your name. And then there are so many, Lord God, who rejoice in your name. Help us to continue to rejoice in your name. To be an example to the world. To show them that we have hope. And the only one in whom we can find true hope. Please bless our worship this evening. Help us to honor you in all that we say and do. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank you to be that will. Amen. We're going to Luke 24 tonight, speaking of the inspired word of God. And that's what it comes down to. When people make statements like, but man wrote the Bible. Maybe we could say, well, by faith we believe. But it's also by all the evidence that God has given to us uh, to prove that the word of God written by men, but inspired by God. And so, Luke 24 and verse 44, Jesus says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And the repentance for forgiveness of sins shall be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. The idea and the understanding that everything began in Jerusalem in regards to salvation for the entire known world, beginning in Adam and continuing to the last man that lives on the earth, because of Jesus and his sacrifice, because of his blood, it all began in Jerusalem. The idea of thinking about that shows the power of our God. If you'll turn to Second Timothy chapter 3, why Jerusalem of all places? Second Timothy chapter 3, inspiration. God guided the hands of the writers so that they could not speak or write as they thought but rather as God directed. All Scripture, verse 16, is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and uh, for training in righteousness. The man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So, today the struggle is, is the Word of God from God? Or is it, is it just another book? 
And sadly enough, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please. Sadly enough, the Bible has been reduced in the minds of so many to be just another book. To be a book that you can read, and then you have the authority to decide whether it's true or false. To be a book that we could read, and then man has the authority to decide what they're going to abide by and what they are not. But that authority does not come from God. It comes from man. God has revealed His mind to us. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritually appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. In this book, it is recorded over 3,800 times, God said. Approximately 7,000, think about this, there are 7,000 Fulfilled prophecies regarding people, nations, and events. 7,000. That is, that in itself is a miracle. Mathematically, there, we don't have a number for that. You have to break the number down one at a time to have a mathematical equation that one of these events could happen over the period of, say, six to seven thousand years. The way that God defined it prophesied it in specific and for the events and the peoples and the nations to come together as God said they would. Mathematically, it's an impossibility. It's a miracle. Hebrews chapter 1. So when we read the Word of God and when the question comes up, you know, should I listen to God's Word or should I listen to some other book? Well, there are lots of books out there that tell us how to live, tell us how to raise our children, tell us how to get along, mention all kinds of things, you must always listen to God first. And anything that contradicts the Word of God, get rid of it. You don't need it. It's not going to work, and it's not any good. It has to coincide with what the Scriptures say. So Jesus, by way of inspiration, and Chapter 1, the text says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power, 
when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The probability of verse 1 it's in itself happening. The idea that God first spoke through the fathers. And then what he spoke through the fathers would come to pass through the prophets. And what the prophets spoke of would come to pass through Jesus Christ. And then Jesus would come and fulfill everything spoken of by the fathers, by the prophets, and even the things that he himself has declared where he said the Son of Man is to die and rise on the third day. It's nothing more than a continuous miracle. Second Peter chapter 1. And the word that he gave us is a word that is true over and over and over again. And the trouble that comes our way is this. Someone said, and it became believed, that everyone has their own interpretation of the Scriptures. Well, we don't have that authority. The Bible is not meant to be interpreted. It's meant to be followed. Now, I know you might say, well, wait a minute, preacher. There is some some interpretation and with some... The way you interpret the Bible is this way. First Corinthians 2, we just read it. You take spiritual words and you combine them with spiritual thoughts. In other words, if you don't understand what a verse is saying in, say, John chapter 5, you may have to go back to Genesis to get the depth of what it means. Or John chapter 8, or, or, or Revelation, or, or Matthew, or what, wherever it might be, or, or Hosea, or Michael, wherever it might be. But you don't get to interpret it. You have to go to other scriptures and allow those scriptures to interpret the scripture you're reading. But because of a lack of patience, we say, well, let me just go to a commentary and let it tell me what that verse means. That's a shortcut. But the problem is, what if the commentary is wrong? And that's where all this mess has come, right? From. The Bible makes it clear in verse 20 and 21 of Second Peter chapter 1. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by the act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So yes, men wrote the Bible, but these men, if you will, as they had the ink pens in their hands, were moved by God. So God moved. The ink pen. God moved their hands and they wrote. Turn, if you will, in uh, to Romans chapter, chapter 1. And so that which is true and not necessarily accepted today, people try to write it off. But this is not a new thing. It's not a new thing at all. Because the Bible tells us that the wrath of God, verse 18, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And that's exactly what it is. Men love to suppress the truth, to get rid of ideas and concepts that they disagree with. Verse 19 says, Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, 
They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. God says, don't speculate. And what happens is we follow the world and the world takes the lead. Again, like I said and say again, we don't follow, we lead. We're God's people. So think about this, if you will, the thought. The flow of the books. So how do we know this? This can't be from man, right? It has to be from God. The flow of the books, 66 books, they show and prove and make it evident this book is amazing. It's out of this world. There, there's no way you can read Genesis through Revelation and not say, you know, there's something unique about the Word of God. Now think about the flow. About 6,000 plus years of, of different people living in different parts of the world. Living in different cultures. Following different traditions. Different nations. Different languages. Different technology. Different levels of intelligence. Persecution. Governmental affairs, science, and you just continue to name it. And there's this consistent flow from Genesis to Revelation. That's an impossibility. You go out on the corner there and let someone watch an accident and write down what they saw. They can't agree. How many books of science have you read in, in this era that actually agree? Most of them don't even agree. You know, have you ever read a book, you know, you read a science book, and they start talking about what happened 40 billion years ago. And then you pick another one up that says, these same events happened 20 billion years ago. And then later, you'll read another book that comes out that says, oh, well, actually, they were about 4 billion. You realize the difference between 40 billion and four billion, if you do the math, do you know how long that is? And yet these are the, the modern geniuses of our, of our world. And yet over 6,000 years with, with all these different men, these 40 different men who were able to, to put together this collection of books. If we try to give these men credit, not only are we doing an injustice, but we're actually teaching a lie. Because there's no possible way that these men have the intellect to be able to put these books together in such a way prophecy information they shared years before we even knew it existed and the flow the lack of contradiction and the beautiful unity there's no way we can get around the inspiration of the word of god in about uh, 175 bc Antiochus Epiphanes decided that he would he would try to rid all of the sacred scriptures of the Jews and everything he could find. He failed. Prior to Antiochus Epiphanes, many governments tried. They failed. To this day, people are still trying to get rid of the Bible. They failed. 
303 uh, A.D., the, um, the Roman emperor Diocletian, he made a rule. He made a ruling and a law, and the law was find all the Bibles and burn them. He failed. Everyone that's ever tried to destroy or eliminate the Word of God has failed. You even read it in the Bible. Jeroboam tried to take the message that was given to him and burn it in the fire. Did he succeed? Well, it burned in the fire, but then God sent another message with all of that material, and then he added some to it. Second Peter chapter 3. The Word of God, the inspired Bible, has been here, and you know what? It's not going away. Do you realize that, that based on literature that we have, and there's a difference between literature and inspired literature, the Word of God, do you realize that there's enough written about the Bible to where if we actually got rid of the whole Bible, you could put it together again with all the literature that was written about the Bible. Because that literature contains verses that they're trying to refute. And they fail over and over and over again. Man has attempted uh, to get rid of the Scriptures. What about through false teaching? They try in that way, don't they? Uh, verse 14 of Second uh, Peter chapter 3. Therefore, beloved, since... You look for these things, be diligent, to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. As also in all his letters, speaking in them of things or these things in which are some things hard to understand which the untaught and unstable distort. And they do also the rest of the Scriptures to their own destruction. If we don't understand the Scripture, just say you don't understand it. (laughs) And then just keep reading. And here's how, we're going to John 16. Here's how you gain an understanding of the Scriptures. You have to just keep reading. And give it time. And sometimes, uh, when, which is a really fun thing to do, you get an idea and you're trying to understand something. You get an idea in your mind. To, to help that, un, that understanding of that idea, you start in Genesis. You say, wait, no, 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 preacher, this is a New Testament idea. Well, I know, but you need to go back and get the foundation. You start in, in Genesis and think about your idea. Write your idea down. And then read from Genesis to Revelation and write every time God has expounded on that idea. Or every time God has contradicted that idea. And then you'll know if you're on the right track or not. And then go back and read it again. That's how you grow in your understanding of the Scriptures. You can't just grab a verse and piecemeal it together. You can't grab a verse over here and a verse over there and say, this is my favorite verse, and, well, I don't really like that verse. you gotta, you got to let God put the whole puzzle together. To say that the Bible is not from God is to say that God himself is a liar. 
And every time someone says to me, well, you know, I don't know if I believe the Bible because, uh, you know, it has contradictions or, or it has this or it has that. Are you calling God a liar? And God said, if any man tries to call him a liar, let God be found true. John 16 in verse 13. Think about God's plan for just a moment. But when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father, have given to us the Word of God, the Godhead, not the Word of Jesus, not the Word of God the Father, not the Word of the Holy Spirit, but collectively the Word of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, the collection of the mind of God revealed to man. It has come to us through the Word of God. And if anyone tries to come to you and divert your mind from the truth, you be sure to shake the dust off your feet and move on. Right? You can't make people believe the truth. But the evidence, when you have the Word of God, is in your hands. And there are some things that are a little difficult to understand. There are a lot of things that are difficult to understand. I'm always appalled when I read the Psalms and I realize, you know, there are a lot of these psalms that are about Jesus. And how many of these am I missing? <laughs> you know, or I read the Bible and I'm studying and I ask myself the question, Lord, how much am I missing? What, what do I need to know about me? And he'll reveal it when it's time. John 14, verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine but the fathers who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. So imagine for just a moment that you're going to leave here today and you're going to express to someone Every scripture you heard tonight, and every scripture you heard this afternoon, and every scripture you heard this week, you would fail miserably. All of us would. But if the Holy Spirit put it in your heart and on your mind, you would flawlessly be able to present that message. And that's exactly what happened in the writings of the Old and New Testament. God was involved and inspired these men to write. God revealed things to them that they themselves did not understand. The Bible says that they longed to look. The angels longed to look. The prophets longed to look. What is it that God is talking about? But they wrote. John 15 and verse 26. What we could do, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that. It may be a, that's a, this is a personal study. We want to look at all of the evidence, the archaeological evidence, the evidence regarding nations and peoples and cultures and show all of the fulfillment of all of the prophecies, it would take us some time. But you would be absolutely impressed with the power of the Word of God. In John 15 and verse 26, the Bible says, But they have done this in order that the Word may be fulfilled 
that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. Now, now think about this for a moment. And right now you are a, a Pharisee and a scribe. And you know that Jesus is from God because Nicodemus told us that they knew Jesus was from God. And you know you can't deny what you've seen with your own eyes, the miracles. And you know he shamed you over and over again when you try to catch him in a lie. You realize that you were the one who was lying. And you realize that he knew things that he shouldn't have known. And he even knew what I was thinking. And then you start hating him as they did. And then you stumble across the Old Testament prophecy that says, they hated me without a cause. Would that not send chills through your body? <laughs> that would send chills. through my, Because thousands of years ago, God knew that I standing here this day as a Pharisee or a scribe in front of Jesus, I am actually fulfilling what God said would be fulfilled and what would happen. Verse 27 says, And you will bear witness also because you have been with me from the beginning. God's people, God's word is so powerful. And these men not only bear witness simply by fulfilling the prophecy, but by sharing the things that are true. So here's how the prophecy and the scriptures, the inspired word, uh, comes to us. Let's go to John uh, chapter 1. First it's spoken, and then it's, it's, it's lived, and then it's, it's written. And as it's written, it is God-breathed. So John 1, the Holy Spirit reveals to us things that are impossible for us to know. Because none of us were there in the beginning. Yet the Godhead reveals to us what happened in the beginning. In the beginning, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Only inspiration would tell us when you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and the Godhead is revealed to us that God has revealed a message that no man could know and no man knew except for God, but He revealed it to us. And those six days of creation, they, are, they make so much sense. When you think logically of the order of creation, it makes absolute perfect sense. Undeniable. Spoken to us by God. John 6 and verse 38. The text says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And that's what Jesus did. He lived perfectly. undeniably, perfectly. And in chapter 10, we find that the Word of God has always been 
authoritative. Not only in the fact that Jesus spoke and they said he speaks as one with authority, but it has always been authoritative. When you go back to the, the patriarchs, and here all the patriarchs are following and listening to the rules of God, the laws of God. It's always authoritative. The prophecies and the prophets, if you will, have always been authoritative. And Jesus spoke with authority. And we speak, when we use the Word of God, with authority. And it challenges every walk of life that contradicts it. And John 10 and verse 35 If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken. I'm just grabbing this idea while stoning this individual. But the scripture cannot be broken. Has it been? Never. You know what's, what's interesting is that when... If you go to school and you learn about um, the Bible and prophecy and all those types of things, um, there's always a, a counterpart to everything that the world says. So the world says, well, we can't believe the Bible because. And then you, you go, to, then the brethren will write something else. Well, you know, you can believe the Bible because. And then the world will say, well, you know, these things happen and and, or didn't happen. And then you go back and the brethren prove, well, these things actually did happen and, and these other things didn't happen. And, and it just goes back and forth and back. And we live from generation to generation to generation to generation of people who keep fighting and arguing with the Word of God but continuously lose over and over and over and over again. And it's only through reading these uh, the story and then the rest of the story that we gain this level of information. Matthew 22. The Word of God is authoritative. Every book, every religious book today, of every religion today who follow and wrote their own books, you can use the Bible and the Bible every single time. We don't like to talk about it like this, but every single time it eats their books alive. Every time. Every single time. And they pull their books up and you read it and you go, well, where'd that come from? You, you gotta believe the story, but the literature doesn't fit. The Bible is consistently true and accurate every single time. Why? Because it's inspired by God. In Matthew 22 and verse 31, but regarding the resurrection of the dead, I can just stop right there. <laughs> yeah, I can just stop right there. Have you not read that which was spoken to you by God? Is there a resurrection? God said there is. That's it. It's not, uh, what is it, uh, the old saying, um, God said it, I believe it, and so that's that is that how it goes? I think that's what you're right. It's been a while. Because I never say that. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter what I believe. <laughs> it's what God said. And that's that. 
And so the scripture says, God says, and God is always right. Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is interesting because Psalm 19 begins uh, by by saying, you know, uh, it speaks of the the the, the earth itself and, and and how it moves and all the things that happens and the orbit of you know the, the galaxy, should I say? And then then the idea is, well, you know, you can look into the skies and and you can see the sun and you can and all this stuff is so obvious. They they speak, but they don't speak, you know. So when you get down to verse 7, verse 7 is almost like, well, since you know that's true, you know that's true, verse 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. So it starts out with things that, that you can't disprove. It starts out with things that are obvious, and so obvious that they're beyond us. And then it kind of goes into, oh, and by the way, just as that is true, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. Who can discern the errors or equip me of hidden faults? God's word is always true. And tonight I want just wanted to encourage you. Uh, John twelve, please we'll close. I wanted to encourage you and and hopefully preferably strengthen you to to understand that whenever someone steps outside of the Word of God, you be careful. You can listen to some of the things they have to say, but here's what you want to always do. You want to always say this, yeah, but the Bible says. The Bible says. The Bible. Well, you know, just give me your opinion. My opinion will do you no good. The Bible says. God says. Jesus Christ says. The Holy Spirit says. Well, yeah, but tell me how you feel. It won't help you out any. But I'll tell you what the Bible says. It always has to be the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. It is the revealed mind of God. John 12 and verse 48. Jesus says, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings, has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me commandment of what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. The Bible says. Tonight in your walk of faith, I encourage you to remain faithful to God and to His Word. To remember and to surrender to the idea and the understanding that God's Word is always right. It's always right. Though I may not understand it all, it is always right. Regardless of 
who is speaking to you. Whether it be a preacher, an elder, a deacon, a millionaire, a billionaire, a famous person, a movie star, God's Word is always right. If you would like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism, God says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. If you're struggling in your faith and you would like prayers made on your behalf, God says today is the day of salvation because tomorrow is not promised to any of us. If we can help in any way, please come while we stand and sing a song in just a moment of invitation. And those who are online, contact us if we can help in any way. God bless you and thank you for your time.